fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is a post-Monday celebration. Greatest day of the entire weekend. Man, have you recovered yet? Have you recovered from the shenanigans, the craziness, the wildness that happened last night with the Hawkeye Cockeye of 2024? Some interesting stuff. We'll break all that down throughout the program today. There is a lot to talk about. We have the elections. Now that we're done with the Iowa caucus, we have New Hampshire right around the corner in just a week. We have more that are coming up in the next few weeks as well. Plus, we have what's going on in Washington, D.C. So much to talk about and so little time to do it, which is why you tune in right here. It's so wonderful to have you broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station, KQAM. But we are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the program. Welcome aboard. We thank you. We love you. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. I don't want to waste any time because we have limited time with our guests, and we're going to do that right out of the gate today. We'll get to the election stuff here in just a little bit, but in our What's Trending... What's Trending Today? As you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in Washington, D.C. as well. There is a budget that's uh, supposed to expire in part by the end of this week, uh, phase one of the continuing resolution. We have immigration issues that are kind of uh, precedent right now that we should be focusing on, uh, along with other funding issues and so much more. So we had to bring him on. It's been a while since we've chatted with him to kick off the new year of 2024 as well. A great personal friend, great friend of the radio show, our U.S. Senator from right here in the state of Kansas, where I hail from, it's U.S. Senator Roger Marshall on the line with us this morning. Roger, how are you, my friend? Andy, great to be with you. Now, before we get to the other stuff, I just got to stop you here. Now, Hawkeye, cockeye. So you're saying that cockeye is the plural of caucus, and that's the most original thing I've heard all day, and I'm still laughing about it. And we just got to, I got to just stop and say Trump had a definitive victory last night. Man. He is the presumptive nominee. We as Republicans need to get behind President Trump. It's time to put our swords down and save our words and our money to take on Joe Biden here in the very near future. So let's rally together. Uh, he's the guy. Let's get behind him. Let's rally behind him. I'm right there with you. He he talked about that in his speech last night as well after the victory uh, because of how dominating it was. It is time for everybody to come together as a party. I don't know if we're going to see that as Nikki Haley says that she's looking out into New Hampshire and beyond. But, yeah, what a dominating victory that was last night for him. Yeah, it sure was. It was as dominating as the Chiefs' victory over the Dolphins uh, <laughs> the, on Saturday as, as well. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it is. I think it's the, uh, the the margin of victory. Gosh, the biggest victory ever before was 12 points by Senator Dole. And here this was a, whatever it would have been, 30-point victory as well. Uh, there's He is the presumptive nominee. Let's get on with business here. Joe Biden is destroying this country. He's given us an open border, record inflation. Uh, we're not safe anymore. Uh, our, our friends don't respect us, our, and our enemies certainly don't respect us. We need a change here in the White House. Amen to that. And let's talk about some of those big disasters, Senator. You've been working hard. You guys really hit the ground running as you guys came back after the New Year's and in starting off this new session. And immigration has been the forefront. We wanted some immigration policy going into the holidays. I know that there we weren't able to make it happen. Democrats wanted funding for Ukraine. We tried to tie it with some immigration. They didn't like that too much. But now we've seen a bill kind of sort of proposed, but we see this massive emergency, kind of a 911 situation at the southern border right now. What's going on? What, what can we do to fix this right now? 
Right. I, I think we are still trading water. I don't think the real negotiations have yet happened. I've said over and over again, unless we address the parole issue, there's really no deal. And I don't know about you, but I've yet to hear Joe Biden ever say he wants to secure the border. His goal has always been to get as many people across that border voting for Democrats as he can. And last, you know, in the last three years, he's, out, he's paroled over one and a half million people. Just basically said, it's okay to break the law. Welcome into our country. We're going to give you free food, health care, uh, housing, all those types of things. So we really have not addressed that major issue of parole. I, I just don't know that it's going to. Uh, Joe Biden is, is acting like he wants to negotiate, but I don't really see it happening. Uh, I'm a long, long ways from getting comfortable with this bill yet. Well, it sounds like that Democrats, with the discussion right before the holidays and then even this one, it sounds like many of the Democrats were even mad at Chuck Schumer for even opening up conversation for negotiation for immigration. So it sounds like they have a lot of work to do to actually come to the table in a serious manner. Exactly. They do not want to solve this problem. That's so hard for, I think, most of your listeners to grasp. Joe Biden does not want to solve this problem. He thinks he's going to get more people uh, to move into uh, purple districts and that they're going to vote for him. They're going to register. They're not going to they're going to register people to vote that are not even legal residents uh, of the United States as well. So he thinks that he can control future elections. He's willing to go to bed every night with 300 Americans having died that day from fentanyl poisoning. Mm. These are not accidental deaths. These are fentanyl poisoning in order to build his party. I got news for him. Uh, there's going to become a reckoning in November. Yeah. Amen to that. You you mentioned fentanyl. Are we seeing anything better on the fentanyl front? I know Texas is trying to start uh, starting to take matters into their own hands and saying regardless of whatever the federal government's doing because we have to address this now. But is fentanyl getting any better right now or is it just getting worse? Oh, it's, it's continuing to get, get worse now because uh, the cartel has positions established, uh, base stations established throughout the country, including in Kansas. Uh, I forget how many pounds were, uh, fentanyl were seized this uh, week alone. So, and, and I go back to these gotaways, 1.7 million gotaways under Joe Biden, people that, that our patrols saw going over the horizon that they couldn't go capture. What are those people doing? Well, they're smuggling in humans, they're smuggling in the fentanyl, uh, record numbers of people dying. It's now the number one killer for young adults in America is mm-hmm. fentanyl poisoning. Wow. It's, it's very scary. Now, the fact that we're still having to deal with this, this is an invasion in the country, whether it's human trafficking, whether it's fentanyl and drugs, whether it's guns, whatever it may be, we're seeing this invasion come in. You guys have been working on an investigation on Alejandro Mayorkas about a potential ridding him of office because of not actually doing the job. Are we getting any further with that, or is he starting to maybe clean up his act because he's afraid to lose his job right now? <laughs> well, the Democrats shut us down. We brought to the floor, forced them to vote on our resolution of no confidence in Mayorkas. We did it the night before. Our colleagues on the Republican side of the House were uh, starting their impeachment hearing. So we wanted to put some wind beneath themselves, try to get the Democrats on record. Uh, this is it's kind of a wonky policy issue, but it's called a unanimous consent. Yeah. And a lot of the business of the Senate is done. Only one person from the Democrats showed up to object. And that's all it takes is one person. But it just goes to show that they're not willing to show their face, uh, show their face to America, to their voters. So basically, they, they're saying that they have confidence in Andrew, Andrew uh, Secretary Mayorkas, and we all know that he's lost operational control of that border. Um, 
you know, yeah. 10 million people crossing that border illegally under his watch. Yeah. What What's the next step here? Because like you said, it sounds like they come in, they stop the investigation, they stop any type of committee hearings against him, they stop any type of conversation about a border policy bill. They're still thinking that they get to dominate the conversation and dictate what you uh, get to and get not to vote on on the Senate floor. So what's the next step to make this happen? Right. Well, I just want to remind your listeners that that elections have consequences. We lost the majority in the Senate. If that wasn't the case, we could have been doing hearings and hold the administration accountable, much more so regarding this operational control. So we have to rely on this slim House majority right now to go through with their impeachment hearings. An impeachment can only uh, be initiated on the House side. So we're at their mercies over there, and they've got their hands full as well. But they are, I think, week number two or of their hearing is uh, their uh, their uh, their investigation of uh, their impeachment hearing is this week as well over on the house side so god bless them and, and hopefully uh, they'll get something done over there yeah maybe we can see some progress on that we're talking with u.s senator roger marshall from right here in the great state of kansas my home state and senator let's shift gears a little bit in the last couple minutes that we have with you is we have phase one of the continuing resolution ending at the end of this week. Phase number two ending beginning of February. We have a proposed $1.6, $1.7 trillion federal budget tentatively between Speaker of the House Mike Johnson and Chuck Schumer. I don't know if that's going to be the final bill right now, but a lot of conservatives on that side say they don't want this. What's the conversation look like in the Senate side regarding this bill right now? Well, look, you can always find 10 GOP senators that would do anything to keep the government open. Uh, so you remember, they had the 60-vote rule over here, yeah. and there's 51 Democrats, so they got to find nine Republicans to vote yes. So they, they control the agenda. Um, but here's, here's what the important thing to communicate to your listeners, though, Andy, is, is Chuck Schumer wants an omnibus. He likes these deadlines. He's going to force us to do what's called a continuing resolution. So I, one way or another, I bet that we're going to keep the government open, for another month, that on the good news is it's going to allow Mike Johnson another month to go through these appropriation bills. There's 12 of them, one at a time. Show them the light of day. But mark my word, Chuck Schumer's one and only goal is to keep making this fail and fail and fail until we finally throw up in our hands and let him do an omnibus. Yeah. That lets him bring all these, this funding together, uh, start from scratch. He and the swamp and the White House can then write exactly where that $1.7 trillion is going to be spent on their bridges to nowhere. So, so that's his goal. His goal is not to solve this problem. What, what Schumer wants is a, an omnibus where we throw all this together and he gets to decide where the money goes. Good golly. It's, they, they still just control the dialogue here. I mean, we have an opportunity. I know the House passed close to, I believe, nine of the appropriation bills that had some decent cuts in them. They did some savings. What needs to happen is the House be able to pass these this budget with the appropriation bills, hand it to the Senate, and say, Democrats, here you go, take it or leave it, and we're not going to we're not going to extend, we're not going to do a continuing resolution, either take it or leave it and pass this or let the government shut down and that'll be on you. I don't know that the Republican Party as a whole is capable of doing that. So, I, I, so that's exactly what we would like to do, Andy, but I guarantee you if we do that, the national media outside of two or three cable stations yep. is going to blame that on Republicans, and they are incredible at doing it. But regardless of who gets blamed, we're going to do the right thing. Uh, Speaker Johnson operation with that four or five seat majority. Uh, a lot of those those people on that on the, that's these purple districts. It's hard to get them on board with anything. He's got the toughest job in the world right now. 
He's a good man. He's trying to do the right thing. We're going to keep trying to do the right thing over here. But again, elections have consequences. The Democrats control the White House. They control the Senate. And we have the slimmest of majorities in the House. So everybody remember, November, this is how you reckon the situation. Amen to that. we got just about a minute left here, Senator. Outside of immigration, outside of the budget, outside of uh, some of these major policy issues, what's been the main focus for you going back in there? I know immigration, you've been out at the border quite a bit, and that's been kind of the main focal point to try and get this handled. But uh, what else is on your slate? Well, certainly it's the border, it's the border, it's the border. That's what I'm absolutely locked in on. Um, I'm trying to drive the cost of prescription drugs down by working to end this monopoly of pharmacy benefit managers. Uh, we have a farm bill to write and to get it across <laughs> the finish line as well. We've tripled the budget for food stamps, but we're cutting the farm farmers part of the farm bill, which is only about 10% of it to start with. So trying to reckon that, and thank goodness, though, it looks like our farmers in rural America supported President Trump last night uh, to, I don't know what it was, 80 90% of those folks supported president trump last night so he's listening yeah yeah amen to that we got a lot of work to do it's a very frustrating time i can't imagine how you don't bang your head against the wall every single day up there in the congressional chambers because i don't know how you guys handle the democrats uh, just sabotaging everything but keep up the fight my friend we absolutely love it it's u.s senator roger marshall from the state of kansas as uh, they continue up in the session for 2024 happy new year to you my friend thank you so much keep up the fight let's talk to you again real soon Thanks, Andy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Appreciate that. That's U.S. Senator Roger Marshall right there from the state of Kansas. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll recap some of that conversation. We'll get into election coverage from the Iowa caucus from last night as well. So much to talk about, so little time to do it. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. So I realized after the interview, he didn't say anything, but uh, I, I realized that during the time I was introducing the senator, I called him by first saying, Roger, hey, <laughs> my bad. I, I didn't mean to do it. It just kind of came out naturally. Him and I are somewhat decent friends. I mean, I guess not on a too personal level, but I interviewed him quite a bit when he was a congressman and now as a senator. Great guy. I'm sure he's not upset about it. He's a wonderful individual. Uh, I love, love, love having him up in Washington, D.C. What a fighter he is as he's one that's called out Fauci many times. He's the one that's been working hard on some of the budget issues. He's been working really close with Rand Paul. Solid conservative individual. And I am so honored and love the fact that uh, he's my senator here in the great state of Kansas with Senator Roger Marshall. So we appreciate him very much. Happy New Year to him. We'll get him back on the show again real soon. And he lays out some really great points. It's so frustrating with what the Republicans have to deal with up in Washington, D.C. And in Congress, the Dom- I'm telling you, Democrats, they still dictate the conversation. They dictate the dialogue, and we have to go along with it or else it's our fault. And that spoiled brat, egotistical, maniac mentality from the Democrats has not gone away. It only gets worse. And every conversation that we have about budgets or about immigration or about fentanyl or about whatever, they deepen in, they hunker down, they dig their heels into the sand, and they refuse to budge at all. And we have to come to the table with them. If you remember right before the holidays when Mike Johnson walked away because they wanted Ukrainian funding and he walked away because he wasn't going to do it unless they tie immigration to the bill as well. Chuck Schumer said that he was open to coming to the table, and even with their uh, false acceptance of coming to the table for negotiation, the Democrats lost their minds. 
They lost their absolute minds because of it. They didn't want that at all. So that just shows where the mindset is for Democrats. Either we get everything or else it's your fault and we will sabotage the entire country and blame it on you because we have the media and the narrative in our back pocket to control the dialogue. And I'm telling you, I'm excited for 2024 because that type of garbage and that type of crap is going to stop. I did see a post on social media, though, from some Democrat page. I don't remember what social media site it was saying that we have to stop letting Republicans bully us around. We have to stop letting them dictate the conversation. And I literally laughed out loud because, good golly, I've told you narcissism when you want to see what someone's really up to. Just look at what they're trying to accuse others of of actually doing. Kind of entertaining. All right, let's get into it. Speaking of the media and controlling the dialogue, they definitely have ramped up their attacks on Donald Trump after his major victory outside of any sitting president in the U.S. yet. That was, he not only broke the record for a victory in the first caucus of the year uh, for the presidency in Iowa, but he like tripled that number is how big of a win that he had last night. And the media is starting to recognize that he is the default candidate right now and they have to do what they can to slow that trend down. I don't know if they can, But Rachel Maddow on MSNBC yesterday losing her mind last night. If we are worried about the rise of authoritarianism in this country, we are worried about potential rise of fascism in this country. If we're worried about our democracy falling to an authoritarian and potentially fascist form of government, the leader who is trying to do that is part of that equation. Mm-hmm. But people wanting that Correct. is a yeah. much mm-hmm. bigger part mm-hmm. of that That's equation. Right. And the American electorate is made up of two major parties. One of those parties has been flirting with extremism on the ultra-right for a very long time. They've brought them in in a way that they haven't been central to Republican electoral politics ever before. And I know because I've been studying this. But once you have radicalized one major party so that those are the preferences of the people who adhere to your party, the leader is interchangeable. And yes, Trumpism is sometimes what we call it. Mm-hmm. MAGA movement is probably a better way to do it. But there is an authoritarian mm-hmm. movement inside yes. Republican politics that isn't being bamboozled by Trump. Mm-hmm. They are pushing Trump that's to right. get more and more right. extreme. Wow. There you go. That's, that's what they have now. You, you the voter, you are pushing Trump further and further to the right, pushing him more extreme, pushing him authoritarian because that's the way... That Trumpism is, that MAGA Republicans are, the extremism, the authoritarian, the dictatorship, the fascism, the Nazism, all coming from the right. I've studied these things. I know these things. I've studied them. Why? We're all going to die because of you. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. It is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. So wonderful to have you on a post Monday celebration. Thanks for joining us. We never say that enough. So thank you so much for supporting the show, supporting us all over the website at HoosierReason.com, our social media, which you can like and follow. All that good jazz. Lots to get to today, obviously, as we had a big Hawkeye cockeye last night. The Iowa caucus officially. Done and went off kind of interesting with some of the deep freezes. The voter turnout a little bit lower. In fact, only 14% of the voters on the re-registered Republican side turned out. Just over 108,000 votes coming out out of the near 780,000 registered Republicans in the state. Showing a near 14% voter turnout. 
was because of lack of... Now, the media, Drudge Report, if you go to Drudge right now, which I do not recommend, but if you want to, I guess you can. They say that there was a lack of enthusiasm. There's a lack of excitement of Republican voters to actually show up and vote for these candidates. And I guess I can kind of see that, maybe? I mean, if you're not a Trump person, then there is kind of a lack of enthusiasm for the other candidates. The only enthusiastic people that are there are Trump people because they want to see Trump come back in. They want to see the rectified issue from 2020. They want to see the turning around of the Joe Biden administration. They want to overturn the table. So there is a movement behind Donald Trump. Outside of that, there's not really that exciting of candidates out there. We have Ron DeSantis that has zero personality, and he's trying his desperation. And he really did not come off well at all last night in the Iowa caucus, not just I'm not just talking about the results, which he came in second place, but his response to that last night was kind of interesting that we'll get to in a second. Nikki Haley is the alternative, but is she really that exciting? I don't know. I mean, personally, I'm not that big a fan of Nikki Haley, but I mean, I would support her if she was the nominee. I, but outside of that, I'm not enthusiastic to go. I will say that all of them are probably better than what we had back in 2008 with John McCain. Remember that my friends, my friends were in the straight talk express. Remember that guy? Yeah, I was really unenthusiastic to see him. I was, however, to go out and vote for Sarah Palin, I guess, out of John McCain. But And then the record low voter turnout that we had seen for Mitt Romney. So we've had kind of a while of not having super-duper exciting candidates to show up for the Republican side, except for Donald Trump. He's been the only one that's been able to really catch the appeal of the Republican voter. So I think there's excitement there. I'm going to lay the vast majority of the low voter turnout in Iowa on the fact that, well, it was extremely cold out and like in the negative degree wind chills temperatures. So people did not want to turn out because they just wanted to be able to get home and survive and just hunker down for the night. I could be wrong, but that would be my assumption for a massive uh, what they say is a low voter turnout for that one. But uh, Donald Trump coming out, having a nice speech thereafter, talking about unifying the Republican Party. Because it's time to do so. Let's stop beating each other up. Let's stop beating each other in the boxing match. And let's actually do something productive for the Republican Party to focus on the true enemy of the nation. We want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. What a turnout. What a crowd. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together. Uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative, it would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing. That's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. It's going to happen soon. Now, of course, that's not a speech that you're going to hear from the mainstream media talking about unifying, coming together. They're not going to talk about that. All they're going to talk about is how Donald Trump is an evil tyrant totalitarian that the Republican Party is pushing into, right? That's what we heard from Rachel Maddow just a little bit ago. Mm -hmm. But people wanting that is a much Mm -hmm. bigger part Mm -hmm. of that equation. People want it. People want it. Now, of course, they're taking that one clip where someone's like, you know, sometimes a teacher just needs to give you a little whip on the knuckles there, uh, talking about whether they want a tyrant over Joe Biden. And I still think, I still think that was a staged event. I still think that that was some Democrat pretending to be a Republican because that is the dumbest remark I've ever heard. Anybody who saw Donald Trump in the first four years saw that he's nowhere near a tyrant or dictator or fascist in any way, shape, or form. And anybody that truly does believe that has seriously lost a vast amount of IQ points by probably eating Tide Pods or something. So I'm just, I mean, let's be honest. 
Let's be honest. That's probably where we're at right now. And the unifying of the Republican Party. Oh, by the way, I got. I guess I better give you the actual numbers. If you have not seen the actual numbers, because this leads into the response from the Ron DeSantis camp. Donald Trump won the primary yesterday by winning every single county except for one in which Nikki Haley won by a single vote in Johnson County, Iowa last night, which is near the Cedar Rapids area. Nikki Haley won with 1,271 votes in that county, Donald Trump at 1,270. Literally a one-vote difference between them in that race. But overall, in the state as a whole, Donald Trump won by a large amount, 51%. In fact, if you combine the two uh, two candidates of Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, he still beats them if they had the combined power. There was a rumor floating around that DeSantis and Haley would join forces as a co-ticket together with a DeSantis-Haley ticket to try and unify their numbers to beat Donald Trump. Well, even if that were the case, Donald Trump still would have won yesterday in the state of Iowa because Ron DeSantis came in at 23,000, Nikki Haley at 21,000, putting them at 44 together total. Donald Trump coming in with 56,000 votes in total. Now, here's the big kicker because the total number of votes does not matter. In fact, I'm sorry, there was 110,000 votes, not 108,000. So it was slightly just above that 14%. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy coming in at 7% of the vote with just over 8,000. Here's the thing, though. The total number of votes does not matter. I'm going to repeat that for you because that's very triggering again. What? Say what? That's it's a very triggering thing. The total number of votes does not matter. Say what? I know. Andy, why? Because there is a push from the Ron DeSantis camp that was just livid last night with say, with some of their team members claiming that Fox News and CNN had called the race for Donald Trump before people even got the chance to finish voting. So, of course, the ones that are saying that Donald Trump needs to go away because he's claiming all this voter fraud and he's just looking bad for the Republican Party and how they just need to get past all the voter election issues from 2020, the Ron DeSantis camp came out very negative last night. Didn't talk about positivity moving forward. Didn't talk about ways that we can join together and do whatever the happy-go-lucky, sing kumbaya, hold hands kind of message. No, in fact, they came out kind of angry last night saying that they're concerned about voter fraud and accused the media of interfering in the caucuses of Iowa because they declared Donald Trump's victory too early. (laughs) Now, again, I want to remind you, Donald Trump won every single county in the state of Iowa except for one that flipped right at the end where Nikki Haley won by one single vote, both of them getting 1,270 votes, Nikki Haley getting 1,271. He won in every other county. So looking at it, if you're any type of analyst, If you understand anything about politics, then you understand when it came out and Donald Trump was leading in every single county in the state of Iowa, that, yeah, you would probably call it for Donald Trump, even if the voting's not completely done. Why? Because of how large of a victory that he has and how large of a lead that he actually has and how many wide areas that he actually has. Here's the bigger kicker. The bigger kicker-upper of 2024. We do not use the popular vote. We do not have a popular vote. And this is very concerning to me for a Republican Party that's fighting the national popular vote mindset for the general election of the presidency, where Democrats continue to push that. Because if that happens, then a handful of cities that are run by Democrats would choose the presidency every year and Republicans will never be in the White House ever again, pushing this national popular vote mindset. 
Republicans, like Ron DeSantis and his supporters, or at least some of these supporters and those on his team that are concerned about interfering with an election because it was called before they were done, do not understand that we do not use the popular vote in the election, but in fact, we use a delegate system, kind of like an electoral college. I know. That's how it's done. So the those that voted in the state of Iowa were not counting the number of votes. We're counting the number of delegates that they got. Donald Trump received 20 delegates last night. Ron DeSantis received nine. Nikki Haley received eight. And Vivek Ramaswamy received three. Based on the voter turnout, based on where they got in each uh, district or each county or however they break it up in the state of Iowa, that they received a certain amount of votes for a delegate. Remember hearing about the superdelegates from the Democrat side? Yeah, superdelegates are the elected officials on the Democrat side that really get to vote along with the rest of the populace, and they get to pretty much counter whatever the populace does, and the superdelegates on the Democrat side get to choose the nominees for the Democrats. Republicans don't use superdelegates. We use the delegate system. So we don't use the popular vote. So if those on the Ron DeSantis team... And some of the voters, including one, uh, according to USA Today, they posted a tweet from Steve Deese. I don't know who that is. Some Steve Deese show uh, saying people are telling my phones. uh, People are telling me phones got Fox News alerts. Trump won before they even voted. Just criminal levels of voter suppression. That network is a freaking cancer, according to Steve, with friends like Fox who needs CNN. So obviously not understanding how a delegate system actually works. Because, yeah, you may not have voted, but the numbers were so outstanding already that it didn't matter. And that's the difference between a popular vote based on democracy, based on a one single vote count, and what we use for an electoral system or a delegate system. The delegates were already made up based on what the voter turnout had looked like at that point. And if we don't understand that, then Republicans are going to be in a world of hurt. So Ron DeSantis, I think, came out with his voters and his team, which his team said that they were concerned about it as well. They're coming out looking a little foolish last night. Kind of angry that Donald Trump, it was called for him so early in the race. And we need to be aware that we use delegates. We do not use a popular vote. And we have to prepare for that in other races as well. New Hampshire also has a delegate system. We have to have delegates. In fact, in order to get the nomination for the presidency, you have to win the majority of delegates across the entire country, which is 1,215 delegates in the Republican caucus of the 2,429 that are actually available. You have to win that majority to get the nomination, not the popular vote. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into it. It is The Voice of Reason. Last few minutes of the show as we recap the Iowa caucus from yesterday. We had Donald Trump win by a very large margin. We had Ron DeSantis. Did you hear right before the actual vote as, as Ron DeSantis was doing the last couple of days on the campaign trail over the weekend, trying to meet with people? Did you see the what? He didn't appreciate this too much, but somebody tried to give him an award and it was caught on video shared all over the social media and the TikTok as uh, someone was trying to give him an award for his hard achievements on the campaign trail. Nothing's going to stop 
Uh, real quick, before we get started, thank you everyone. Governor DeSantis, I want to present to you this participation trophy. <laughs> now, probably not going to win the election, right? But we're proud of you for trying. There you go. He's special, he's unique, and he's our little snowflake. Thank you. Here you go. Do you want the award? Wow, he's special, he's unique, and he's our little snowflake. You're, pro <laughs> you're probably not going to win the election. So here's your participation trophy for still trying to catch up to Donald Trump. Winning. I, I mean, look, <laughs> that's hilarious. It's funny. It's funny. I don't mean to mock our own Republican Party candidates, but it's funny. Come on, man. He didn't appreciate that too much. Again, a guy with no sense of humor whatsoever. Ron DeSantis, you came in second this one, but looking at the polls going into New Hampshire, you are nowhere near any of that. Nikki Haley's trying to gain any of the traction, which are still about a 15-point margin there with Donald Trump ahead of Nikki Haley and then going into South Carolina and beyond. Does she have a chance? She's, I guess, got a better chance than Ron DeSantis. But DeSantis, I know what you're trying to do. You're Right now, you're trying to set yourself up for the next election in 28 or 32. And whether that works or not, good for you. I pat you on the back and I applaud you. But now it's time for you to skate out. It's time for us to start uniting as a party and start focusing on what we can do to focus all of our money and attention and advertisements and everything onto the general election with Joe Biden or whoever it may be at the end of the day. But Ron DeSantis calling fraud and election interference yesterday because they called the race so early with such a dominating win that Donald Trump had had already early on in the race as well because they don't understand a basic delegate system, which is really unfortunate. Nikki Haley, on the other hand, did take it a little bit more graceful and talked about her looking forward to moving forward into the New Hampshire and South Carolina primaries. I came to Iowa early and often, and I kept coming back. Even though the cold weather is brutal. But the kindness of Iowans will never be lost on me. You're faithful, patriotic, and hardworking Americans. And I will forever be grateful for the time that we had. At one point in this campaign, there were 14 of us running. I was at 2% in the polls. But tonight, Iowa did what Iowa always does so well. The pundits will analyze the results from every angle. We get that. But when you look at how we're doing in New Hampshire, in South Carolina, and beyond. Yeah, so she's got some positive movement there. Now, the bigger news as well, one more, is that Vivek Ramaswamy did end up officially suspending the campaign and throwing his support behind Donald Trump last night after coming in the bottom of the race uh, in the Iowa caucus. As of this moment, we are going to suspend this presidential campaign. And this is going to have to be, there is no path for me to be the next president, absent things that we don't want to see happen in this country. That makes sense. Throwing the support officially endorsing Donald Trump. We don't want bad things to happen to this country. So we're going to do what's best for the country, what's going to do best for the Republican Party and for the general election, which is dropping out, throwing the support behind Donald Trump, get that momentum, uniting the Republican Party and making something positive happen there. A very classy thing to do. I've been a fan of Vivek Ramaswamy. While he has been a little bit different, I've had my suspicions about him. I did not like the fact that he 
uh, came from the big pharma industry overall with the money that he did. But what he said on the campaign trail was awesome. It was necessary. It was needed to try and throw off the establishment, to throw off some of those candidates, and to really expose a lot of what's going on, being that vicious fighter that uh, we need those to be in the Republican Party. I'm hoping that there is some talk about him having some type of cabinet position in some way under the Trump administration when everything's all said and done. But we appreciate what you did, Vivek Ramaswamy. Good stuff, my friend, and we appreciate that. Nikki Haley, I guess you have the most amount of chance moving forward. And at least she's staying positive. She did congratulate Donald Trump on the victory as well, so we are keeping it classy. I guess that's the big message of the day is Republican Party, let's keep it classy, shall we? Let's make sure that we don't beat each other up worse than what we do trying to focus on the Democrats moving forward. Ron DeSantis, hint, hint, wink, wink. Maybe it's time for you to get the clue and to move on from thereafter. Could be wrong, but I think that he's just about on the way out. We'll do some more of that tomorrow. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change. It's now official, my friends. Election season is here of 2024. Let's have some fun with it. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.